The Genesis Foundation was founded by John Studzinski in 2001. Over the past 20 years, the foundation has donated more than £20 million to the arts, including £1 million for the Genesis Kickstart Fund for freelance artists. Through its funding and partnership model, it has enabled opportunities for thousands of young artists in theatre and music, building their experience and their resilience. The Foundation's main focus is on partnerships with leading arts organisations such as the National Theatre, Young Vic, Almeida Theatre and the Sixteen, and on training programmes that equip emerging artists for life as a creative professional. Through the Genesis Music Theatre programme, the Genesis Foundation has supported artists at the National Theatre as they develop bold, accessible new forms of British music theatre. And the most recent was Hex, to a book by Tanya Ronda, lyrics by Rufus Norris, who also directed the production, and music by Jim Fortune, one of our guests in this episode of the Artistic Minds podcast. He's joined by the National Theatre's Creative Director of Music, Mark Trichler, and together they talk about the development process that brought Hex to life and, along the way, discuss some of the key songs in the show. Hello, Jim. Hello, Mark. <laughs> we are here two years after we did Hex the Workshop. Workshop. In 2020, that got stopped by the famous pandemic. That that was lockdown one. We was I think it was the Tuesday or the Wednesday... We were kicked out. We were literally kicked out of the building, the last to leave. And we were in a workshop for Hex at the studio on the cut, trying to figure out how to do this piece. Yeah. And kind of getting into it just at that point. Mm. Just having learned the score, just having learned the drafts of the music at that point. And then we had to stop and we had to leave. Yeah, we were just waiting for that moment. I remember just everyone obviously on edge. Yeah, and nobody knew obviously what... What was going to happen? We were kind of thinking maybe we're gone for a week or two. I thought three weeks. Yeah. I thought we'd be back in three weeks. And that was it. And then from then onwards, this became the lockdown musical. It was written, workshopped, and even performed with the spectre of COVID. Yeah. And actually now remembering it, uh, we then came back uh, and picked up that workshop in August that year already, which now looking back feels quite swift, actually. Yeah. But maybe to let everyone in on that process, I mean, it's not one workshop we did. How many workshops did we do? Oh, five or six, possibly. And uh, shall we talk about what what a workshop is for us? What what a workshop looks like? Do the songs work? Do they make sense? How are they integrated with the story, most importantly? Because I think what we always knew, what we always know when we write musicals, is that story is completely king. That's the most important thing. So... If it's one thing to go away and write some pop tunes, but what is it to write a musical theatre tune? So a lot of the workshop for me was about, okay, the song may start in that way, yeah. but it needs to develop and you need to end up in a very different place to how the song started. So for me, a lot of the workshops was about that development of songs. And practically that means like it's for up to three weeks, it's the core team as in yourself as a composer, but also director, writer, uh, Rufus and Tanya, then choreographer joining, actors joining, musicians joining, and all at various stages, various uh, kind of people. And that's when it's really made, isn't it? That is really when it's made. So that's interesting that the prep actually is where the piece is made. And then when you go into the theater, you kind of rehearse it and make it better. But really the work happens in the workshop stage. And the beautiful thing about the workshop stage up to a point you can't fail it's all about trial yeah 
and it's just the, the idea is it, it, it's just don't worry you're going to fall on your ass it's completely fine <laughs> try something else don't be precious pick up yourself and start again yeah so I, the workshops are complete complete joy for me in, on that level and focusing in on your experience as the composer of the project what is it that is when we're talking about musical material your language in the in your layer in the play obviously is the music hmm. and what is it that makes a score we always say that's a great score what does that mean what, what is a score and what what makes a score that's an amazingly complicated but correct and good question I, it's i think going back to what i said previously i do think the key thing about musical theater uh, for my learnings is that you've got to begin in a certain way have emotional development and end in another way that's the case with the lyrics that's the case with the music if you're writing a pop tune it can kind of be about anything It could be, you can have like I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. On repeat, it's about the it's about that three minutes of pure joy. But there doesn't have to be a journey in there. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an emotional journey. There doesn't have to be twists or turns or gear shifts. So it's finding what that is. And I'll come back to you and ask you in a second how, particularly with one thing in my mind, a song called Sixteen, how you were more than vital, completely instrumental in de in that development. I guess the other role of a composer in a musical is just to write the best songs that you possibly can. That sounds really mundane and simple answer, but it's the Olivier stage. It's big. Mm. Um, we're not being introverted. We've got our heads are in the air and we're looking at the audience. We want to give them some joy. If we don't make them laugh and we don't make them cry, we've not done our job for this particular kind of show. And it's how we do that. And on that, and like on the mechanics of how we do that, can you speak a bit? It's like nerd, nerdy danger here, but can you speak <laughs> a bit about the, the themes or the motives, as we say, like the cornerstones, the, the seeds? Seeds, um, so the stuff that you hear again, again, and again. Yeah. Uh, Rufus has got a great Sondheim story about this, about somebody who's came out to him after, at the end of the show. Well, that song stuck in my mind. I don't know why. And sometimes, because you've heard it 19 times. But the things, I think the repetitive material is really really key in hex we make a lot of very conscious gear shifts stylistically to create what we hope is this kind of big british musical so we've got a bit of a scar element in there we've got also another particular chorus called the courtiers are represented by this group of very uptight individuals and they wouldn't be out of place in a gilbert and sullivan operetta so it's finding the themes that can cross those genres yeah And the chord progressions and so on. We'd add this, a big one was this. That's all over the show in various forms. Just what is it? What, how would you call this? What is it? It was originally like a lullaby theme for yeah. our Sleeping Beauty. Written not in relation to a song. I think I, would, I thought we just imagined it on a music box tinkling away in the background uh, but it just became an incredibly useful theme and it became the basis of as she wakes up it became the basis the actual tune of a song called 18 and it's also in the song beauty sleep it just becomes a repeated motif so even though we are got this kind of angular gear shifts in terms of musical styles throughout the show which hopefully is a lot of fun you do hear themes, the same themes, over and over again, leaving that kind of sense of satisfaction that you want from an audience. You want the audience to come out thinking they know the score. 
why do I feel like a little boy? When will I act like a man? Why did it take me so long to do what I should have done when it all began? How did I think I could make it right? How did I get it so wrong? Why am I here when I should be there? Why am I so weak when I should be strong? Why did I leave her alone every evening? Oh, why did I go and not stay? I found her that I couldn't lose her one of these days I met my special someone I would always want to kiss Now I'm waking up to this there are some themes and motives, but there are probably three, four kind of core ones. That was one. There is a chord progression underlying that, meaning that the, 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 the literal chords, the harmonies that you're playing, that, yeah. that come back. And where would they land? Can you talk us through? What, so that sometimes they... they're incredibly useful as underscore. Mm -hmm. So with this one particularly, when... when um, that is played as our Sleeping Beauty is floated in as our prince sees her for the first time. Yeah. So it sits as a bed underneath all of that. So it's not necessarily all about the songs, if that makes sense. So there is musical storytelling in the musical score. There's music, that's a lovely way of putting it. There's musical storytelling in the musical score. So you, you can take the lyrics away from a piece and you've still got something that's potentially quite useful for the story. Yeah. And crafting that and making that coherent throughout the piece, that's the, well, this, that's this the is, kind of skill. This is largely your job. I think it'd be fabulous if you explained what a supervisor is in this situation. And then maybe I can give an example of how that was really directly improved the score. That's an interesting relationship between like composer and what we call a supervisor on this. You would call it in different setups. You would just call it music director, I think. Hmm. In this particular instance, it had that title attached. But what is the nature of the relationship for you? Oh, it's like definition of right-hand man or woman, but it was you for this one. Somebody who I'm not scared to put half ideas to which as a freelance songwriter and composer that sits a lot in my shed studio at home on my own, it's absolutely vital. So yes, lovely to have Rufus as a co-writer and Tanya, amazingly and equally supportive, but somebody with the musical ears to go, okay, that that's great. Okay, that's not great. Okay, that could be great. And be just feel fully, completely supported. So yeah. Over lockdown, actually, what I found really interesting that we had this uh, Zoom set up. We, we met like weekly, definitely. Yeah. And then just before workshops or before kind of more intense phases, we met daily, more or less. Yeah. On Zoom, you behind your keyboard. Yeah. And I was behind my keyboard. And we would like <laughs> play at each other hmm. and try and, and get to grips with what's coming and, and improve the scores and the rearrangements and everything. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of that. There are hours and hours so of that. How would it work for you? So is it the case that, for example, with 16, yeah. I had this tune that's basically... So it had a 
had a real kind of drive. You hear that left hand going, boo da do da do da do da And the whole song was that. that was absolutely the whole song. Every time I go, da da ba 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 And you went, no. <laughs> what was the birth of that? So I was thinking, okay, this is like an Alanis Morissette number, or this is a moment proper kind of, but you tell me your thoughts and, and the, how it became what it was. What we wanted to do is kind of a, a proper pop song, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. that can stand alone. But of course, that's within the parameters of a musical theater performance. So it depends on casting. It depends on the role. It depends on the range that role has, like as in what kind of voice, a high voice, a low voice, because we are, we're on a stage. The pop song in a recorded context can produce in whatever way you like. And if the voice is quiet, you make it loud in the mix on a stage that won't work. Great. Uh, so, so you have to translate the pop energy into something that that is uh, projectable, that is performable and relatable and accessible and that um, serves the storytelling and fits at the right point in the, the arc of the story and all these other parameters that a pop song, a standalone number, doesn't have. Yet you want to achieve the quality of the standalone number. So I think our battle then began around range, as in I felt quite strongly that your song sits too low and that a female voice will struggle to have the impact that we want to have with the song. So the female voice will necessarily sound a little quiet. So I provoked you with putting it up and then we tried to find the right pitch. Uh, so we then played it a little higher, but that didn't quite answer the question because it goes quite high towards the end. So then it became too high in the end and too low in the beginning, which is when, when we thought about adding an intro and changing the whole nature of the song quite drastically. And that then was much more musical theatre again, suddenly. Right, so that's right. So what you what you provoked me to do was basically say, where's the build? Yeah. Part of your answer there involved storytelling. We just started talking about, well, what would Elton John do? Or Queen at his best. <laughs> Everything I say just turns them mean Oh, I'm just gonna build myself a trampoline Oh, so I can sail away To that brilliant day When I'm 16 I cry, they think I'm dying Every time I yell, they make a scene Every time I speak, they act Like I'm the drama queen Oh Everywhere I climb, they've locked the windows Everywhere I step, they 
they've already been I'm just gonna build myself a personal time machine Oh, so I can fly away to that brilliant That is a, a kind of hands-on example for how composers, supervisor might work together because it's an actual change of material. Yeah, and, and just out of for our relationship, obviously we spent like some years together now, and we've become very close and and have a fantastic friendship and working relationship. But when you start off doing that kind of job, and you've got to say to a songwriter, nah. What's it, is it like? Are they going to listen to me? Are they, is it is it a yeah, different? Yeah. Is it a difficult? Well, it is, is it personality dependent. I think it is. That's kind of the, the fascination and the horror of musical theater, isn't it? That's that like uh, it's a team sport, like nothing else, and you are dependent on the team dynamic to play out in the right way, and you don't know because you can be right uh, like you want if, if it if it doesn't sit well with your partner uh, in crime at that point. It won't work. So the team thing is really interesting and in how you build that because there is our team and of course then there is the wider team and it has to fit within all that because there is then storytelling and there is uh, movement and there is lighting design and, and there is the overall stage design and th there are many, many angles and all these different parts have to come together in some numbers, like literally have to come together, like in Hello, for example, which is a number we worked on a lot. So tell me about it. So, so when Rufus and I arrived at Hello, tell me your... Yeah, I thought it's a terrible, absolute, <laughs> I this is like the worst idea I've ever heard. And it's, we should give some context for the song and then tell, tell us why it was so terrible. So Hello is the kiss, basically. The, the famous bit, um, our Sleeping Beauty character awakes, basically, and then turns out to be different than uh, we expect her to be in, in this version. But the, that is the number that is basically an iconic piece of storytelling musicalized. And the first drafts I've seen were really extremely wordy, thousands of syllables. And just like, really hard to sing. And really? always the same thing. Extremely hard to perform. <laughs> and from my brain, when I saw it first, extremely boring. And a complete show killer. Brilliant. Um, that was my first instinct. Yeah, yeah. And that turned out to be the most successful number of the show. Why? Is it still a mystery? Well, the, the answer, I think, is the integration. Because that is one number where every member of the team had an input and it all came together in a brilliant way. And to see it like fully executed in a, in a space live is a sensation. It, it's fascinating. It took us weeks and weeks to train this, to coach this, to put this together. But the final iteration of it is so fascinating to witness life in a, in a performance space. And it's fully integrated 
the storytelling actually led on this, then music came then. Movement is kind of part of this scene. Um, so it, it all comes together in a, in a 3D way that makes musical theatre so fascinating. And that's that's it, why it's it, successful. It's interesting is because we thought, okay, what are the inadverted commas hits <laughs> in, in the show? We thought, yeah, 16, that song, 16, that's the one. And lovely response to 16 and people play it and enjoy it. But all my... Uh, contemporaries and friends and family that have come to see it because we were only on for three weeks it hasn't yet been unleashed to the public in the way it will be in in November they've often said to me that they've started at home uh, talking like that song they actually go up to each other going hi hi hello (laughs) and it's become this thing which ended up um, beautifully and surprisingly with 1.3 million views on Facebook or one of the sharing platforms it it seemed to capture uh, something hi hi Hi. Hello. Did you just kiss me? Yes. Yes. Is it my birthday? Yes. Yes. Are you my present? Yes. Yes. No. Oh. Well, anyway, hi. 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 Hello. Where did you come from and how did you get here and who let you in? Did you come here to rescue me or were you just passing by? I don't know. Well, anyway, hi. 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 Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. Because if it's my birthday, I'm finally 16. And if you're a present, then who are you from? Because I doubt that my mum and dad, where are my mum and dad? Where are the guards? They're always here somewhere. Or did you sneak past them? Are you a burglar? How totally brilliant. I'll show you where everything is just as long as you steal me as well. Because I quite like the look of you. Why don't you shut up? By you, I mean me. I mean, why don't I shut up? Why do I keep talking? And why is your hand on my thigh? I don't know. Well, anyway, hi. 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 Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. 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 Yes. Who is that person? Where? Where? Why is she hiding? Who? Who? Is she your mother? My mother. Well, anyway, bye. What? I've got to go. Well, you know. No. My mum will be worried. It's you that is worried. I mean, she'll be scared. You're the one that is scared. Do I look like a scared kind of guy? Yes, I know. Well, anyway, bye. What? You've got to go. Oh. So let's go if we're going. It's nice to have met you, and now we'll just leave, and he'll probably forget you and run to his mum. That's a lie. Even so. Well, anyway, who are you anyway? I'm just his auntie. Yes, she's just my auntie. She showed me the way here and she made me kiss you. We're sorry to wake you. We'll leave you to sleep. Yes, but no, I'm awake. If she made you kiss me, then didn't you want to? Well, no, I mean yes in a... Didn't you like it? Oh, no, I mean... No! I mean yes. You said no. Well, I don't really know as I've never been kissed before. Neither have I, but I think it was nice. Oh, well, yes, so do I. I mean quiet. No, quiet. I mean, yes, it was nice. No, you don't have to lie. I'm not lying. You are. No, I'm not what I mean. What you mean is you're going. I'm not well, I am, but the kiss was a really good kiss. You said quiet. Yes, I did. Yes, you did. What I mean. What you mean is that. Why don't you shut up? By you, I mean her, I mean all that I mean is I can't quite remember. Then why don't you give it another go? Nice and slow. It's talking about process and how you move from a lot of work in your shed alone then building it up into small teams, then building it up into bigger teams, 
then bringing it into the rehearsal space and then sharing it with an audience in previous. That was one of the moments that worked best immediately with an audience. You can feel everybody's immersed. Everybody can't believe that you're actually pulling that off. Yeah. And it changes the air, literally. And it's very clear in space, then this works. This is great. Mm. And actually, let's do more of this. Mm. And how can we find spaces for that more? But it's impossible to tell in the beginning. Mm. Or I, I thought, I mean, I was completely wrong about it. Which is interesting, because having said the most vital part of this entire thing are the workshops, which I stand by to an extent. Actually, do you really know the show until you put it in front of an audience? Yeah, I think that's true. And then feel the energy, understand where the laughs are or not, some unexpected laughs, some laughs that were expected that didn't arrive and yeah. taking your learnings from all of that and then building upon it. Can you tell us a little bit about on the inside, maybe as a, as a final insight into that? On the inside, score? yes, um, is the final big song in the show, again featuring kind of a chord sequence that we hear throughout. <laughs> happens over and over and over again and is the first thing we hear in the show as well with a song called Make It All. But whatever I tried I never could hide from the inside I'd done all I could make it all go good only tried to impress in the end, all I done was lie and lie. All I done in the end was a mess on the outside. I am fairy on the inside. talking a little bit into how the team develops like we are two yeah we are two of a much bigger uh, production team but even just just looking at team music which is kind of our department in that process hmm. uh, maybe it's interesting to to talk about how in a process like that this team grows I mean you start alone basically so I, I start alone um, with Rufus so you know the pyramid of hierarchy in terms of the work for me it, it always feels like it's story and then lyrics and then music and often that's the other way around sometimes I'll come up with a bit of music and lyrics will be written to it and often it's some lyrics I'll respond and there'll be lots of backwards and forwards but then after all of that we think we've got something presentable we develop it and it builds and 
you very much right-hand man creatively. Other right-hand men include our musical director, Tarek Merchant, who's a, a regular, brilliant, brilliant collaborator of ours. He'll make it real in the room. And a vital, vital, vital person. He plays in the band in the show as well, beautifully. And then the other two people that I, I can... Three, actually, is... Simon Hale did the orchestrations. That relationship with Simon was utter joy. And I think we're very lucky and privileged to work with, with Simon. And he would orchestrate it off the back of the piano vocal score, but also off the back of hours and hours of conversations that I would have with him, often in this room, just before he goes to do it. So that we'll have two-hour conversations here. And he'll ask me about intention. He'll ask me about story. He'll ask me about vibe and feel, references, all of that kind of stuff. And he'd listen and invariably come up with something astonishing. So that's uh, orchestration. And then that requires a copyist, as we call it. So you, you need to put all these ideas on paper. Yeah. So the band can play it. So literally putting dots on paper uh, in a very organized way. And as there are like 30, 40 versions of every song throughout a process like this. Yeah. You have to keep this um, updated and it's a kind of crucial part of the team to a actually massive part of the team. keep it all up to speed and yeah. keep all the, the players up to speed, keep track of all the changes mm. and so on. So there is the team of music directors around the composer, there is the band, there is the orchestrator, the copyist, there is a programmer yes. that also generates sounds for the keyboards that are within the band. Mm. There are rehearsal pianists, there is a, there's a kind of admin aspect to, to hold all this from a management point of view so it's a music department of 20 by the end yeah of this. It, it, it's huge I can honestly say I can't imagine taking one of those out and it working in the same way and I think yeah. that's the the joy of of working here is is to have for a show with this kind of ambition is, is just extraordinary and vital really maybe it's also as we're speaking in this format is maybe worth touching on the framework for this and how a musical like this works for the National Theatre as an institution. This is very much like, supported by the Genesis Foundation as in the musical theatrical development of the National Theatre. So this is what we call the Genesis Music Theatre Program. And HEX has come through that because, as we just said, uh, it's a long process with a lot of moving parts and a lot of people involved, a lot of workshops and so on. So you need a producerial framework to hold all that. And of course, the National Theatre is a, is a story house, is a play house. It's a house for plays and not necessarily in, in the first place for musical theatre. You know both sides. I mean, you worked um, for a lot of plays. Yeah. What's the difference between a play and a musical in mm. terms of process and production and, and, and creation? And what did you think about how this was held here? I'd, I'd say two things about that. One is that the amount of Shakespeare that I've done and dealing with stories and difficult stories and complex ideas, motifs, developments, themes has been, has informed the musical theatre writing more than anything else, mm -hmm. especially to a character and following the character's journey. And the plays that I've done, generally speaking, they're, they're, they've been quite music heavy. So there are often... People would burst into song, then go away, burst into song, then go away. Mm. And there'll be a tinkling of underscore throughout, and it will give the audience like a sensation, like a little emotional feeling, a little bit of manipulation. Plays do that. Musicals, it's front, center, 
absolutely in your face all the way through. And when you take the music out of a musical, that's when things feel a bit odd and you notice it. Uh, whereas in plays, when you put music in, it does something that makes any sense at all. It does, I think. And also in terms of process, that means that as in a musical, the score has to do so much heavy lifting. Yeah. In a play, you're much freer and yeah. you can be more joyful, more experimental. You can also get away with more. You can you can do it last minute if you have to. Yes. Whereas in a musical, you're you're in trouble. If you realize you're missing a song mm. in week four, you have a problem mm. because you're running out of time because it's like just practically so much harder to, to get all the moving pieces together. Mm. So the work is front-loaded, very much so. And that's why the framework is so important. Mm. And that's why you have to create a structure where you don't work towards a number of rehearsal periods that then lead to a show. You have to actually think about three, four, five, six-year development periods, which means you have to think ahead a lot and start one process after another uh, from early seeds of an idea to a fully developed score. And, and therefore, you need to create a, what we call a program here, uh, where you develop uh, multiple pieces next to each other. And I think what's exciting about HEX for us at the National Theatre is that this, of course, is paving the way, uh, hopefully, for processes like this, because doing something like this is also a massive exercise in, in how to do it. Hmm. Uh, you learn so much while you do it, and you do things wrong, and um, you learn with that. I mean, what, what do you think about that? As a, like from your perspective, that must be the same. I mean, you you go, that's what I got right, and that's what I got wrong. Not that I want to imply that you got anything. <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's always nice to do things again, isn't it? Yeah, we got decimated by COVID throughout the entire thing, as as did the whole world. So we're just part of that. But what that has enabled us to do is to take our learnings from the run that we had earlier in this year and develop it and have that learning from the audience. That yeah. when you put a show in the liver, it's such a quite a specific space. I think you don't do that out of town tryout. You don't do the off Broadway thing. You just do this big show, and often you don't have that opportunity to have that second. And there's a lot of pressure on that. It's just there's a, a lot of pressure yeah. on that. Yeah. I mean, I found out a lot of fun and complete joy, but there is a lot of pressure on it. There should be a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. For for me, I'm always like, uh, I have two hats on in this. Uh, yeah. Because I'm, I'm looking at music at the National Theatre. Hmm. And then also I'm looking at uh, the the music within this hmm. uh, play, which hmm. is Hex. Hmm. Um, but from, from both sides, it's very interesting. And actually, structurally, from a National Theatre point of view, it's so, so useful to do to go through one of these big processes because it informs every other process that we are doing simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. Um, so hopefully this will have a large impact on, on the practice of the building, actually, also. It will do. Presumably it has done already. Has done already. I would, I would say so. And, and yeah, I mean, because the, our little music team, which is, even if it's 20 piece strong, of course, like a whole production has 150 people involved. Hmm. And that stretches to the whole organization of being involved, literally, because everybody has to hold a piece of this production mm. when it comes to these big pieces. So exercising that muscle and getting an understanding of what these big beasts are mm. and enjoying them, hopefully, is is really crucial to the way forward with musical theater at the National Yeah, Theater. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, is there a sense of looking to the Americans about how they develop it, how they fund it? 
Ah, uh, well, I think so, because the, the practice there is so much more advanced. Yeah. And, and there it's just in terms of uh, sheer mass, it's just happening a lot more. And there is a lot more opportunity and there are a lot more tryouts and there are a lot more workshops and a lot more people taking it seriously, actually. Mm. And here you still feel like there is a resistance maybe sometimes. Uh, a snobbery. Maybe a snobber, maybe an arrogance, um, maybe not, or a lack of understanding of what the form is and why you're doing this. Mm. It feels like uh, not serious enough, or things like that. And and once you cross that line, you can actually enjoy the the ideas of full integration that we enjoy around a number like hello, mm. or the actual literal joy that it can bring to an audience, and and how that is nothing you have to be embarrassed of, mm. arguably, but. Yeah, that's it, it's something that you come up against. Hmm. Now, I, th- I, I think if you get if you get these right, and you have great songs with great story. It, it doesn't have to be dumb. Yeah, it, it can be far-reaching. Yeah, <laughs> creatively, there's nothing. There's nothing like a good musical. So we're back with Hex in back. November, and what have we got to do? <laughs> I mean, we do basically a, a speedy version of everything we we spoken about just now because yeah. we started meeting again every every week. <laughs> yeah. So we have our regular in the diary again. Yeah, yeah. And there is more work to be done. And there's is, is, is a looking at corners that need need a little clean up. Mm-hmm. But basically in October, it's going in rehearsals. And then hopefully Joyful Press Night that is uninterrupted of... This is it. We can't wait to actually open the show in November. Yeah, exactly. And as Jim said, Hex returns to the stage of the National Theatre's Olivier Theatre in November. And a highlights album of Hex, from which the musical excerpts came, is out now. For more information about the National Theatre, go to nationaltheatre.org.uk, where you can also find full details of the NT's streamed offerings. And to find out more about the Genesis Foundation and its partners, please visit genesisfoundation.org.uk. And if you want to learn more about the work of the National Theatre, episode 11 of this Artistic Minds podcast finds the National Theatre's Head of Play Development, Nina Steiger, and Artistic Director, Rufus Morris, joined for a lively discussion about this febrile time for theatre, and they also talk about Hex. To listen to more podcasts in the Genesis Foundation's Artistic Minds series, do subscribe and do consider leaving Artistic Minds a review. And look out for another Artistic Minds podcast very soon.